Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus Investor Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. So I left last episode on the 19th and we're going to start this episode on the 19th of February because this is the start of Pisces season. And I find it all sometimes quite strange that um, the zodiac seem to be in a date sense quite uneven because Pisces is the earliest of all the signs to start on the calendar because it starts on the 19th of February. Um, it's only uh, Taurus and Aquarius, they start on the 20th and all the rest are 21st, 22nd. And then we have the late comers, which are Leo, Virgo and Libra in sort of end of summer, beginning of autumn. And they all start on the 23rd, roughly. So, of course, this changes every year um, because sometimes they start on the 22nd, but it doesn't go beyond that. And at 19th is the earliest that it starts. And of course, we have the leap year to bring it all back into sync, if that's going to talk about the leap year at the end as well. And before we move on to Pisces season, I just want to give a shout out to Aquarius season because it has been quite confusing, utterly expansive and really sort of there's been some powerful shifts going on. Everything I've had, all my friends and people, things have shifted significantly. Things that have been waiting to shift have suddenly gone. I mean, really lovely things like my friend's daughter has passed her part driving test theory the first time around. Great, great news. My housemate moved out and that was a big win for me. Uh, my friend's husband got a fabulous new job. I mean, really good job, like top job, top job. Really fantastic. And I'm really happy for him. You know, this is life changing stuff. And then two friends have got cancer free signs. And that's just amazing. This is life changing, really expansive stuff. And so all these blessings took place, shifting people into the future. And I'm sure you've got a few of them to talk about as well. But it really shifts you. It expands your worldview. You know, passing your driving test is like completely, here we go. We are now, we now have freedom. It's so uh, Aquarian. And of course, Aquarius is about expanding your mind and moving into the future. But also now in February, all month long, we have the North Node, which is our destiny point, our future point, active all month long. And that's very future minded. And it is also, if you want it to be, it's also very expansive because it's opening you up to new things. You know, I always call the North Node, it's our mission point if we choose to accept it, which of course we don't always have to, but it's just a point, a North Star to take us to the future. And it's of course where 50% of all the eclipses occur. And of course the other 50% of eclipses happen on the South Node, our past, kind of rum rummaging in the trunk and the cupboard of our past. And as you may know, the North Node is active this month, all February, because it is conjunct Chiron, the wounded healer. And the wounded healer is the point in our chart where we have deep and personal plane or deep sensitivity, like a wounding. And it's a trigger point where we get hurt even more. It hurts there. And that's the point where we are to look at ourselves and learn and grow from. And in life, that that 
Chiron point will get triggered. It will get hit and it's transited. And that's when we have to look or we, or we do get wounded even more. And the same thing may happen to someone else with a different who doesn't have the same Chiron point and they won't get wounded in the same way. They'll go, Pah, it was nothing. <laughs> but it is a point of vulnerability and where you might feel utterly exposed in life. And saying that, it's also where you may have actually had a wounding originally, you know, in an early age, or it could be something that you've come in with in this life that's hurt you in previous lives. And of course, if it's next to your south node, for sure, it's going to be a past life wounding coming in. But really, you know, if it was next to the north node, then it's like, these are the things I've got to look at. These are the wounds I really need to look at, which I may not have looked at before. And Chiron, of course wants us to evolve through that. Chiron is the master healer. He wants us to, obviously, we at first get triggered and upset, but eventually we've got to understand, you know, we've got to move out of being sorry for ourselves or or reacting in an you know, overly emotional way or taking us off in the wrong direction. At some point we have to go, yeah, I understand what's happening to me now and I'm going to have to manage that. And then thereby you grow from your own wounding. And when we get to age 49, 50, we have the Chiron return. And this is the point where you are supposed to go, right, I've understood all my triggers and I'm not going to let them rule me. I'm going to master them. And I think it's a bit like doing a 12 step program you know, where you own parts of your addiction and then you go into it and you understand that maybe, you know, you're, you have to give up some of the control of that to a higher source, but actually you then work on it, work on what your reactions are. You pay your recompense. You say sorry to those who you may have hurt. And then you choose to live a better life by some various guidelines and you gather your support around you and then you crucially, you begin to help others in the same position. And I think that's a key thing for here when you have your Chiron return, you then get it so then you can then help others, which is a lovely thing, of course. So at the moment and in this month, we have the North Node and Chiron together it, within a degree of each other, so conjunct, exactly conjunct all month long, but the North Node moves backwards. It's a point in the sky, it's not a planetary object, so it moves backwards through the, the, the sky, through the zodiac, and the Chiron is slowly moving forward, and it's, it's obviously sometimes does go retrograde, but at the moment it's going forward. And on the 19th, the North Node point is going to transit over Chiron and move backwards over Chiron. And it does that at the point 16 degrees, 45 stroke, 46 minutes of Aries. And of course, as the North Node is in Aries, this is where some of the eclipses are happening at the moment. So on the 8th of April, um, we have a solar eclipse, the one that goes straight across America. And this is happening at 19 degrees Aries, so three degrees off this kind of conjunction point. So really, there's this is a key point in our charts now. So you might want to look at what you have between 16 and 19 degrees in the fire signs, you Leo and Aries, 
or, you know, there must be something here that you're really going, well, I've got the support here. I'm really going to grab this issue. Um, I'm having a powerful breakthrough and I'm going to it's helping you to evolve. But you might have more of a difficult time of this if the 16 to 19 degrees Aries is square any of your planets or angles. And this would either be in uh, Capricorn or Cancer. And therefore, you are sort of being thrust more and you really have to take action. And maybe this has come out of the blue for you, but it definitely requires you to sit up and take no stitch. It's much more of a, um, um, a sharp turn here because a square is a sharp turn. You do have to take action with them. So this is the conjunction of the North Node and Chiron is happening at 16 degrees Aries and the eclipse coming up on the 8th of April is happening at 19 degrees Aries. This eclipse, of course, goes right across America. It comes down from the bottom in Mexico and comes into America, as things do, <laughs> via Mexico. Uh, and it, where does it come? It comes through straight into Texas, goes through Dallas. God, I'd love to be in Dallas for that. Arkansas, Missouri, Indiana, Detroit, wow, you know, then into Canada and Toronto, Montreal, and then on to Maine, Brunswick, Newfoundland. So it goes straight in a big diagonal going from bottom to top. How amazing. And so this is like the third eclipse in recent times that's gone across America. We had the August 2017 eclipse that went straight across um, west to east. Then we had October last year, was it the 14th, that went from, uh, it went from, um, where was it? It went from Portland down. I can't remember where that went. Yes. And uh, yeah, but not, but more in a diagonal, in a sort of more um, a true diagonal, not a very oblique one. And then, then we've got this one going straight up, almost a diagonal, but very much bottom to top. So three eclipses going across America and of course America having its Pluto return. I think it's all change, all eyes on America. And I've been saying this for a while. And of course, in Aries, we've had the eclipse last last year, 2023. This whole war start thing started off because Aries is the god of war. And I think we predicted more war, more fighting here because we had back last year, we had um, an eclipse at 29 degrees Aries. I mean, that's the crisis point of Aries. And I think that was the date that Elon Musk shot his um, his rocket up into the sky, which kind of then exploded, which was like an explosion in Aries. You don't set things off and expect them not to go completely, you know, crazy in Aries. So but we had that month we had an, a, a new moon on zero point Aries. And then we had this eclipse, which is a solar eclipse, which is also a new moon at the 29 degrees Aries. Then now we have this um, Chiron conjunct north node in Aries and the eclipse on the 8th of April. There will be another one in a year's time, 29th of March on 2025 at nine degrees Aries. So Aries really is kind of this is why we are so focused on war at the moment, unfortunately. And we are struggling with this idea because I think most of the population are, you know, n do not want any kind of war to happening. And we're just watching the leaders of the free world kind of getting together and funding destruction, funding our own destruction. Um, and as I speak, President Biden has just unveiled, I said unveiled, like he's just pulled back the curtain on something like it was a good deed. 
But it's not a good deed, obviously. He's pulled back the curtain, his revelation of where our tax dollars, tax pounds, but dollars in this case, are going. He's just unveiled a £106 billion package, an aid package for for war, basically. So £61 billion of that is going to Ukraine after all the other stuff he's already sent to Ukraine. And if that's not a money laundering scam, I don't know what is. Because surely, you know, we've got a generation of men in Ukraine just being wiped out as well as the fact that BlackRock are getting that money. Ukraine isn't getting the money. BlackRock, Lockheed Martin, all those kind of military companies, um, I think they're owned by BlackRock, are getting that money. And it's supposed to be a loan. And Ukraine has just given up 30% of its farming land. And Ukraine's farmland is supposed to be the breadbasket of Europe, feeding the whole of Europe. And 30% of that has now gone to BlackRock or America or, you know, a corporate deal. It hasn't gone to the people. America doesn't own it now. A company does, even though it's your tax dollars that have paid for it. I mean, we ought to be getting our food for free for that. But that's, uh, you know, uh, let's not go there. That's not the right way to put that. But anyway, that's a money laundering scam for sure. Anyway, 14 billion has gone to Israel of that money. 14 billion. Now, Israel is one in one of the top 10 of the richest countries per capita in the world. Wow, does it really need 14 billion of aid? Now, if you look at it in other sources, it's either 17, 17th or the 32nd richest country in the world. And America, who isn't as rich anymore because it's spent all those billions, is sending 14 billion to Israel. And again, obviously, is it going to be, is it going to Israel or is it going to Lockheed Martin stroke BlackRock stroke Vanguard to create military operations and weapons? So here I give you the Aries in, on a grand scale in action in the world. Do we really think that Israel, one of the richest countries in the world, needs 14 billion in aid to fund its own military operations? And 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 if so, you know, is that money really going to Israel or is it going to the companies? We've got to ask those questions. As a populace, as a world populace, we have to kind of understand that this is the operation that's going in place. And obviously that's been the Capricorn ideal. The power is going bigger and bigger and bigger until it destroys itself. And let's remember that Pluto is going to come back onto 29 degrees Capricorn from September to November. That'll be the British elections, most probably, haven't called it yet, and the American elections in that gap at 29 degrees, the crisis point of Capricorn, of big business, of world governance. That's kind of got to be quite destructive for them. So let's see how that goes. But here we are with um, the fact that our money is going into this Aries kind of war dynamic where we're dropping bombs um, and we're funding it. And that's Jupiter, the excessive abundance of Jupiter in Taurus, where the money is, where the richness of the land is. So obviously Aries has other themes, but here we've got the North Node at the door, opening the doorway in Aries, and we have Chiron standing there. And it's like we've all got to realise, 
each individual one of us, which is the Aries idea of the individual, the ego, each of us have to realize this. And in a way, this is like this is our own 12 step program that we can all be wake up and and be our minds be ignited in a totally Aries way and not be drawn into that war narrative. That's not our narrative. The narrative that uses war to create peace, very North Node Chiron, but really the only peace is the silence of death here. Let's face it. And so, of course, Chiron is here. And perhaps Chiron is saying you have to understand the pain here. You have to understand the wounding that this is creating in this narrative, the deep pain of escalating a war the sorrow that follows. And in the same token, we have Saturn, you know, really oppressive, restrictive, doing the right thing in Pisces, where we do have lots of loss and sorrow, saying, look, look, look at this seriously. There's more on that as well. Aries also means that we have the divine masculine here with Chiron. So we can bring about a lot of healing there too. And perhaps the divine masculine does need healing. I think it does definitely need healing. It needs to be able to exist in its own right without any kind of uh, judgment which has been put upon it of late. And that would also mean the divine masculine in all of us, whether male or female or any gender in between or at any any mix of those two genders. That, yeah, the divine masculine in all of us needs a bit of healing and maybe our projections onto that need healing. And I think here Chiron is able to bring us to do that, to enable us to move forward and beyond other narratives that are going to draw us off our own path of what we truly think inside. Because really Aries does rule that thinking point of your mind. What do I think? It's, not, it's, it's about the I and the ego and my own mind. It's not about what other people are thinking or being drawn into other people's story. Aries is the self. So here we are going, yeah, I have to work with what I think and what I believe, even if you're drawing in stories from multiple sources. And that is really Aries gives us our own ammo, if I'd like to use that word, gives us our own ammo to pick up our own sword of our truth and to walk towards our own ideas about the self so that we, you know, ha we have to be courageous to express our ideas, our thoughts, ourselves, to go out into the world. And Aries here is like, yeah, come on, you are going to make, you know, do things for yourself. And here you are, pick up your own sword, not to use against anyone, but just this is my kind of challenge in life and my, my um, ignition to fight my own corner. And the power also then to heal myself and become a better version of myself here with Chiron helping me to evolve at this north node juncture in Aries. And so this conjunction, north node Chiron, at 16 degrees, 45 arc minutes, is happening on the first day of Pisces season. So Pisces, the sun moves into Pisces and then this conjunction becomes exact. And so here, Pisces is this utterly feminine energy. It's it's gentle, it's empathetic, it's soft and it's yielding. But it also opens up this vast emotional landscape. You know, the landscape of sorrow and loss, a really deep 
loss because it's the final sign of the zodiac. And so it is where you might experience loss and an ending of things. But then on the other hand, it's kind of so full of ruled by Neptune, so full of dreams and hopes and and leads us into romance and, and really love and poetry. And you're an exalted flavor of love and um, of thinking as well. So this is completely different to to Aquarius, but also it's utterly creative as well as a creative powerhouse, which also Aquarius is as two in a different way. But Pisces then lends it this emotional landscape to the creativity, which is really beautiful and really enjoyable. So I feel that as the sun moves into Pisces and then we get the exact conjunction, I feel like the sun in Pisces here is a reminder of the emotional idea of what's really happening in the world and what it really does mean to lose all those lives. The emotional cost of the Aries warmongers or what they're planning. And I think Aries season can give us this perspective and airy season is also is here for in our own lives where there's war raging around us, personal little fires coming up that we can actually look at that and say, what is the emotional cost here? And bring some empathy and maybe then bring in your hopes and dreams for what would be a better way forward. It really gives you that emotional imagination because now we've got the sun in Pisces which is just about to meet Saturn. And we've also still got Neptune in Pisces, which rules Pisces to give us this vast interdimensional cosmic kind of view of things. So um, we, we can make this happen for ourselves if we understand that. I mean, understand the fact as us as creator beings and we put it into our imagination to allow it to be creative and to unfold our thoughts to go beyond just what our, our you know our own personal lives and the sun moves in to Pisces on the 19th as well um, and when it does it then is going to make a conjunction a wide conjunction with Saturn which is at eight degrees but obviously then slowly moving forward so that it, this conjunction is going to get tighter and tighter now as the sun moves into Pisces the moon is moving into cancer and then on so on that day on the 20th the moon is moving into cancer and then going to make a trine to both the sun and saturn they're both in water signs and they are both deeply empathetic of the emotional cost the emotional um landscape and of bringing forth your ideas from a very compassionate sense so it's like, really, we're turning a page in a book from Aquarius where we can look at things quite dispassionately, even though we are kind of looking at humanity and going, what the hell's going on? But um, but here we bring in such a deep emotional connection and we can now envisage this pain, this sorrow, this loss that's really going on in the world using our money. And I think when the sun slowly moving forward to meet with Saturn, Saturn here is really ready to ensure this is a serious undertaking. We do have to look at the oppressed Saturn in Pisces, slightly oppressed and restricted emotionally. And what this means for the world, you know, that Saturn is here. Come on, we've got to help those people that are oppressed. Now, as the sun moves forward to Saturn, it doesn't get to Saturn until the 27th of February. 
So it's like this big buildup of growing authority, authoritative, should I say, authoritative stance on the white, on the losing side of the war. You know, the Pisces would be the loss of the war. So here is the sun coming up to Saturn for the 27th. So, yeah, look, this is a growing idea. People, you know, not our politicians going, this is a great thing to do. We're going to get peace, fire guns, that, that slowly there's going to be more and more politicians, more and more people standing up and saying, no, no, this is the actual cost of the war. So the sun reaches Saturn and since Saturn by that time will have moved to nine degrees. So on the 27th of February, the sun and Saturn meet and lo and behold, here comes Mercury as well. So at the so the 27th and then the 28th, we have so we've got the Mercury, the sun and Saturn together on the 27th. And then on the 28th, they all come together and cross and transit each other. I think that's maybe that's a triple conjunction, sun, Saturn, Mercury. That's super powerful. And it's in Pisces. So I think at the end of the month. 27th, 28th, we are really going to see something because Mercury is going to allow this to be spoken out and, uh, and expressed. This kind of serious concern for what is happening in the world. And that's on a global scale. So in our lives, if you have got anything around the uh, water signs, seven, eight degrees, oh, so it was at eight, nine degrees or um then, you know, yeah, you are going to feel perhaps there's something that you need to be speak about and you're going to be given the platform to talk about it. Or Saturn is inviting you to go, right, going to fill out the form <laughs> and, the, and address your issues here. Or maybe this is a time when you can put your art, your creativity onto a more uh, stable platform. So that's seven, the 27th and 28th of February. So use that energy for yourself personally. But really, the Saturn aspect of this brings the sun and Mercury onto a much bigger scale. So I do feel that something in the world will shift with this uh, war narrative here with the sun, Mercury and Saturn here in Pisces. So bringing back to the 19th where we started, coming back to the 19th. So the next day after the start of Pisces season on the next day on the 20th of February we have this another triple conjunction because here Venus is about to meet up with Pluto Venus is just uh, sorry here Venus is just about to meet up with Mars and a Mars Venus conjunction because Venus and Mars have both just passed over Pluto at naught degrees Aquarius. But now Venus catches up with Mars at five degrees Aquarius, right next to Pluto. So there's a nice conjunction there of those three. And Venus and Mars together are powerful. It's like two <clears throat> complementary energies, not necessarily opposing, but the female bringing the uh, the female Venusian love energy of doing things in a more gracious way, of deep consideration from the heart, bringing things of value to the to the you know to play, and then the Mars with the leadership, the dynamism, the clarity, and the move forward. Come on, let's do this. So they both make a very complementary and powerful dynamic together. And of course, they've got Pluto powering them up completely going, come on. You know, this is a deep, deep work from evolution. This isn't the surface. This is going deep. 
and they're both in Aquarius. So they meet on the fifth at um, sorry, they meet on the 20th at five degrees Aquarius. And then together they move on the 21st to the six degrees Aquarius. And at that point, they're opposite the moon um, in Leo. So that almost like makes them, uh, you know, the moon is adding to this weight of their meeting here and really bringing more esoteric, more mystery. You know, things are going to be drawn up by this meeting. Things are going to open up with this meeting because it's for humanity, the male and female, you know, the the um, the love and the action of those two signs coming together to bring about wake up humanity, wake up our feelings of community, togetherness. And the moon opposite is going, yeah, come on, we're doing this. So to so the, the 20th at five degrees, then at six degrees, um, uh, on the 21st and then on the 22nd of February. Finally, then Venus then overtakes Mars, but they're still together at seven degrees and they stay together through to the 23rd of February at eight degrees. So they go five, six, seven, eight, all those degrees together. They are in a tight conjunction, less than a degree together. So I think on those days from the 20th to the 23rd of February are really also powerfully creative days to bring forth what you really want to love to do. And, you know, if you are kind of floundering and not sure what to do, this is Mars going, come on, we can do it. And if you're going, yeah, I need to do this and not sure how there's Venus to come in and go, this is the art, this is the grace, this is the flavor that you need to make these things happen. How wonderful is that? And of course, let's not forget that this is happening in the philosophical, futuristic and kind of open minded area of Aquarius. So it's going to allow those ideas, new ideas to pop in to your head and then bring about some balanced nuance. It gives a better strategy to it. You know, there's going to be a bit more complicated ideas that you can work through and maybe have a good breakthrough. And maybe on the same level, we can have a better strategy to our world affairs and a bit of nuance here because there's so many layers of truth and things to be unraveled there. And so there's Venus and Mars meeting together over a few degrees, still in conjunction to Pluto, really powerfully giving us a snapshot, an Aquarian star snapshot again of of what it means to be with our community, to having support and doing a little study that takes us off into a geeky area, a little crazy maybe, but really able to bring a bit of progress to a better place. You can do something really wild here, <laughs> like gather your friends, do a park fun run, do something that helps other people. You're going to feel really good about that. But anyway, these two days, this up to the 23rd, 20th to 23rd, that's happening. Then on the 24th, we have the Virgo full moon. And of course, that is kind of happening in the shades of the full moon anyway. You know, we're meeting up to this full moon in Virgo, which really wants us to say the right thing, think the right thing, do the right thing. And, you know, therefore taking aligned action. And maybe there is a bit, you know, Virgo wants us to go into the details, wants justification of why we're doing things and wants to understand. But really, she also wants a bit of Let's have the certification. I might want to rubber stamp this because I want to make sure it's right. So maybe there's going to be some hurdles here for people, governments, I'm talking, to have to get over and be able to give that money to a war, 
you know, maybe there's some ideas here that people are going to come up. This needs a little bit more thought and due process. And of course, it coming after the Venus and Mars togetherness, this like Virgo full moon for all of us is like a ripe plum to pick. It's Virgo is fruitful. Remember, she's the herbalist. She's the one that can concoct and bring about growth and fertile with the herbs, with the land in not in a farming sense, but in a flowering garden sense greenhouse and herb garden is Virgo's territory for the healing aspect um, and also for the nuance in flavoring of food that's Virgo so really no one really has all the answers but here with the Virgo full moon at least she encourages us to have the debate to look at the details and fiddle about with the intricacies you know but in that saying that Virgo full moon can be a bit picky, <laughs> you know, but really allow that. You have to allow that because there's a discernment that comes with Virgo that is of a higher nature. And it's going to allow you to cut away anything that's proving to be maybe slightly erratic or unstable. And perhaps put a stop to something that's unjustified. And I'm thinking as well, unjustified in the terms of spending money. You know, Virgo might go, let's look at your accounts here. And of course, remember, Jupiter is in Taurus, which might encourage a bit of freewheeling spending. So Virgo does come, the Virgo full moon does come at a good time to sort of keep us all in check, ourselves in check, <laughs> not least our governments in check. So hoping for that. And of course, this Virgo full moon then leads us, that's on the 24th, leads us to the 27th, 28th, when, as I mentioned, the Sun, Mercury and Saturn are coming together to really kind of bring about, come on, we've got to do the right thing. We've got to feel how this works, feel this and understand what is happening for the oppressed and, and really help bring in some aid and help. So that brings us to the end of the month. And of course, now, leap year, we have an extra day. This is leap year day. And so I'm going to talk about this in the next episode because the leap year really is uh, enabling the tropical astrology, enabling our calendar to come back into step. So the calendar stays with the seasons. And I don't know if it's because it's a leap year, but I've seen a lot of chat on, on the gram, in social media, talking about the debates between Vedic versus tropical astrology and I think some of them are really missing the point the idea is that both charts are relevant both ways of looking at things are relevant it's quite difficult I think to just study both at the same time so you can pick your way and and go for it kind of thing but keep an open mind because all charts are relevant and I mean that your draconic chart is relevant your secondary progress chart is relevant your chart that you thought when you were born at 10 o'clock is relevant when you found out that you were born at 12 o'clock that they're all relevant because it's like an evolution and an energy that is brought into your soul sort of lesson, your soul narrative. So don't dismiss one for the other, which God is our dis divisive world wants to do. And also it's not about, oh, somebody sort of was saying someone very, you know, who does do lots of numerology and Egyptian kind of ancient mystery stuff was saying, oh, yes, you only use your Vedic when you move into your North Node. What do you mean no move into your North Node? You know, some people never move into their North Node if they have loads of 
planets like Pluto next to their south node, they're not meant to move into their north node in that case. They are meant to be refining everything they did in the south node. So, you know, stay with it. Don't force yourself against it and don't think, oh, it's about time I moved into my Vedic chart because I've moved into my north node. No, your Vedic chart is very relevant and so is your north node. So the Vedic chart really, you know, Vedic is is sidereal and sidereal is a word that means connected to the stars or the backdrop of the stars and it is mostly practiced in India. Um, and it follows the stars, i.e. the constellations. And because we have a 26,000 year wobble of the Earth, which we can also use the axial procession, the procession of the equinoxes, got several names. This, wo- this wobble that we are undertaking, 26,000 years, which obviously the Mayans knew about in their long count years. So there they follow the constellations. So the constellations and they and they are falling back a degree every 72 years. So we're about 23, 24 degrees behind at the moment, behind the Vedic calendar. Um, and so eventually the Vedic calendar is going to be completely opposite so that Christmas uh, or, or uh, Christmas will be in Cancer and Capricorn will be in July, for instance. So now it's 23 degrees, so it can still be in the same sign. And if you think that, you know, because it follows the stars in that sense it's it's following an actual procession so it very much tells you very much physical what's actually happening and that's why you go to india you get your charts ready it goes oh you're going to have you're going to move house at this point and this point you're going to have um you know a baby or something or a car crash you know they really tell you physical things that are happening which is really interesting to learn but with the tropical astrology, which is what I practice and what mostly in the West we listen to and, and connect with, we are allowing, we've taken like this is the sun rising at the eastern point, say, let's say Stonehenge. And we are going to stay with that stone that day on the 21st of December, for instance, when the solstice happens at Stonehenge. And so we are connected to what's happening here on Earth and what's happening to here on Earth with the seasons and also what's happening with the sun and the moon to create the solstices and the seasons. So we are very connected to that idea. And so therefore, because we are that Earth is on a journey of 26,000 years and therefore an evolution of 26,000 years, we are moving on a journey. It very much shows you in tropical astrology, the more psychological process and the evolution of your soul, because it's following the evolution of humanity. So you can see it's also very relevant and also therefore keeps us in line with what is happening where Newgrange, Stonehenge, all those places where we uh, measure the light and dark on the planet, and therefore the eclipses too and how then do you put a huge ancient monument like Stonehenge and then we know that on a certain day in the midwinter we know the light is going to hit that spot I think it's not specific um well not when I say that it's oh it's cloudy isn't it in Stonehenge but Newgrange you know the, or there's some in Scotland as well where the light beam comes in and hits the back of the cave type scenario really those happens on the solstice which is around the same time of the year and that fits in with the tropical astrology calendar so at some point it's going to come back to where it was uh before and that's the twenty-six thousand year journey so more on that in next episode
But to clarify, this is why we have um, a leap year every four years, because we have a 360 degree zodiac, because each degree isn't exact to a day. So 360 degrees. And then we have 365 days in a calendar. But really, the day is 365.4 in a year. So there's a quarter of a day. So every four years, those four quarters are built up and put together to give an extra day to the leap year. So therefore, that is why we are keeping in time with the seasons, the solstices, the equinoxes and everything with this leap year day. So thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed that. Let me know if you've had any real winds, cosmic shifts from the Aquarius season. And I will catch you in the next episode. Blessings to all of you and thank you so much.